Blog Talk Radio. Turn me loose, set me free. Somewhere in the middle of Montana. Give me all I've got coming to me. And keep your retirement and your so-called social security. Big city, turn me loose and set me free. Swanageddon, the story. Sponsored by AV's Waterfowl, W4Hunting.com. And here's your host, Don Swan. All right. You know, it's funny, I was just talking to my guest. Uh, right before the show kicked off and, and obviously I kick it off with Merle Haggard and he said, yeah, Merle's really going to set it right. And, and that's what he's doing. He's setting it right. Put me in a good mood. Got a smile on my face. Looking forward to the podcast today. You know, before I get started, I want to first, like always, thanks my listeners for tuning in because without listeners, why have a podcast and, we're, we're really starting to gain momentum and, and get a lot of listeners. And, you know, uh, the younger generation might say they, they want to give a shout out. And so I want to give a shout out to Claire Figgy. Uh, she's come on board um, with Swanageddon and she's been helping uh, promoting the show and she's doing a fantastic job. I mean, we're picking listeners up daily. So I wanted to thank her um, for doing that. Um, our guest today, it's a little different show for me because he happens to be one of my family members. And interesting enough, I've been hunting with him uh, since he was a baby. Not only him, his brother and his dad. Now, his dad is basically my main hunting partner and has been for years. I mean, we, we have hunted so much together and he's a, he's a fantastic sportsman in his own right. And, and, you know, you can, when you, uh, listen to Riley's story and what he's all about and what he's doing, um, a lot of that is because of his dad, uh, exposing him, um, in, into the hunting industry and, and hunting world. And he's done a great job because, uh, both uh, Riley and Travis are, are fantastic hunters. Um, a little bit about Riley. Uh, he's a, a professional hunting guide, and he does some uh, guiding for Merlot Waterfowl. Also, um, Riley owns a guide service, uh, Long Valley Guide Service, with his dad and his brother, and, and they do a lot of uh, goose hunting and duck hunting uh, guiding and, and also big game. They do do really well on the big game. Um, and one of the things I wanted to mention, and, and I'm really proud of, of Riley, is uh, he just graduated college. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about his degree and what he's doing with his degree. Uh, so without further ado, Riley, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us and glad to have you. Yeah, uh, I appreciate it, Paul. Thank you for having me, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, and just uh, happy happy to be on the show and and get an opportunity to to uh, talk to you and 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 give list give listeners my perspective on on hunting and and the outdoors and and just being a sportsman in general. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, that's my pleasure. You know, Riley, before we get started, you know, uh, digging into to what you're doing. Uh, you know, one of our show sponsors is Avi's Waterfowl, 
And um, I, I brought you on as part of my team as an ambassador for Aves, and you've had the gear for you know a pretty good amount of time now. And I just wanted to kind of get your uh, take on you know how the gear's working for you, and let the audience know you know what you think about it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm really excited to uh, get to use it this year. Um, haven't used it for waterfowl hunting yet, but uh, used it for turkey hunting, and it was you know it was. Im- you know, it was immaculate. The, the texture of it's very, you know, smooth. It fits very close to your to your body. It's comfortable. Uh, I like explaining to to friends. You know, it's like hunting and uh, hunting in your pajamas, so to speak. Uh, very comfortable. Um, and, and you know, the camo pattern is is very unique. Uh, it's not like any other camo pattern you find out in the uh, industry right now. And uh, their their selling point obviously is is bar none you know top of the line straight to the consumer uh which which i like a lot as well and uh hunter and Rhett's story is is you know it's very cool and you know a lot of guys like myself even i look up to to their story and starting a company and a business in the hunting industry one day and uh i'm you know i'm proud to represent them and i i thank you and both hunter and Rhett for uh, allowing me to jump on board yeah, cool. I know it's kind of this ongoing joke that I know all your buddies. I hunt with a lot of your buddies over the years, and they always say that uh, if you want to test a gear, let Riley use it because if it's hot proof, it's indestructible. And, <laughs> and and I'm glad to hear that it that that it, the gear's holding up for you. And you know, we got some new stuff that's going to be coming out that's going to be really, really um, great and, and, and kind of complete the, the whole set of the gear. So I'm looking forward to the release of that. And, uh, you know, we're glad to have you on board too, because, you know, it's, um, it's not often that you can get a guy that that's, you know, 200 plus, uh, days in the field, you know, putting the gear, uh, to the test and, and also exposing it to a lot of hunters. I mean, you, you get to, uh, meet a lot of different people, you know, almost every day when you're hunting, cause you're hunting, you know, seven days a week during the season. So it's great for us. And we're glad to have you on board with us. Um, so Riley, one of the things I want to, uh, want you to talk a little bit about is talk about how you got started, your upbringing in hunting, what, you know, where did, how did you get to where you're at today? Yeah, for sure. Um, says any old other, you know, boy, um, other than my father, uh, just introduced me to, to hunting and the outdoors at an extremely young age. You know, um, he has stories of me in car seats as, you know, very young baby, uh, hunting. And I just think he instilled such a, you know, a passion to me for the outdoors and, and wildlife in general, um, that it just carried on throughout my entire life. And it, it, it transferred into just a hobby, uh, that we used to do every year to, to, you know, just a way of life. Uh, that's what I think of it as of now. Um, I started out, grew up in a small town of, uh, Durham, California, which is in Northern California. Um, I grew up just outside of it on a 10 acre ranch. Uh, my dad purchased and then built our own house and we were neighbored up to a 10,000 acre ranch that we were allowed to, to hunt and fish on as, as boys, Travis and I, um, who's my brother, 
who's also very dear to my heart and I've learned, you know, incredible amount of information just throughout goose hunting and duck hunting, anything to my dad and, and Travis more than anybody. Um, but yeah, just grew up in the, in the stick, so to speak, you know, um, with a BB gun in the hand, running around the house, watching for rattlesnakes. Uh, whenever I wanted to go down fishing in the Creek, you know, went fishing, uh, wanted to go coyote hunting, go coyote hunting, uh, you know, jump ducks out of a pond during duck season, go do that. And, you know, it was a blessing. And I, you know, I thought of it then as, as just, you know, that's what I was supposed to do. You know, that was the, the way of life. But now looking back on it, um, I was blessed, uh, extremely. And I'm proud to say that, you know, my dad exposed me to such a, you know, life-changing hobby that turned into, you know, a lifestyle. And, uh, nowadays, you know, I just, I just grew up hunting and fishing and, and, uh, was given a great opportunity, um, right after high school by Merlot Waterfowl to start guiding, who is a, uh, you know, world-known guide service in Northern California. And, uh, coincidentally, they were, you know, out of Durham and, we had family friends that was close to Rocky, and Rocky gave me an opportunity, and and we're running with it, and you know I I'm grateful for it, and um, I couldn't be more thankful for for where I'm at today, and uh, I I look forward to seeing where it goes to. Yeah, and the thing is, is I mean, not only are you guiding for Rocky, which is great, um, but I know you guys you know have your own thing too going. I know you can't do it as much as you want, but um, I, I've been on several, and and I know of several. Uh, you, you got you and your brother and your dad put together some quality waterfowl hunts, um, and I know yeah, um, also sure. yeah, and also you're um, do some big game uh, uh, hunts as well. As a matter of fact, you just were on one um, last last week, um, and I know you're had some really tough conditions with the, with the fires. Um, but you guys had some really good success. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So each year, uh, Long Valley guide service, uh, which is myself and my father's and, and Travis's, uh, service. We, we try to uh, book a couple of antelope hunts, um, in the Northeastern portion of California. And, um, we don't advertise them, but we usually get about two to three calls a year. And this year we had one guy call very early on and, um, I scouted a bunch for him and, and we were trying to find him a unique buck because obviously, you know, it's a chance of a lifetime tag. It took him 18 years to draw. And, um, we went up, got him a buck on, uh, opening day, really nice, respectable buck, tough, tough conditions. A lot of, a lot of, uh, people that I wasn't expecting to be in the area and and just overall right now in the northeastern portion of California the antelope herd numbers are are you know they're down um and so besides besides that point we had a wonderful trip a wonderful experience and and my dad ended up contacting a a friend of his that had a tag Friday before and he ended up getting the him a buck on opening day as well well after um we killed the second buck so we had two bucks down on opening day and my dad ended up 
coming crossing paths with a little 12 year old boy uh, who drew the tag, you know, it's his first tag ever in his entire life, his big game, you know, he's his first big game hunt. And, you know, I can remember mine in Nevada with uh, my grandpa Marv and uh, my dad, like it was yesterday, you know, three generations of, of blood. And, you know, I look back at the kid and my dad, and I'm, or I look back at my dad telling the story about the little boy he just met a couple hours ago who had the tag and they they were having a tough time. Well, the herd that uh, my dad's friend ended up shooting into still had a couple of bucks in it. So we ended up contacting the little boy and his dad and uh, telling them, you know, we got a couple of bucks spotted for you. Would you like to come over and try to make a spot and stock on them? And they said, well, heck yeah, we'll come over. And I can remember uh, sitting there and watching the dad and the little boy come up to us from the road it was about a half mile hike from the road to where we were and then the goats were about a thousand yards from where we were so it was a good little jaunt for for a 12 year old kid and uh they came up and i can rem- i i put them in the spotting scope and i put the herd in the spotting scope and the dad came in and you know we spotted the group and they ended up making a, a really cool stock on them and i i was watching the herd and them both in the spotting scope and you know, watching it all go down, and, uh, you know, it was really cool to watch the dad, you know, it was so up close and personal that I could watch the dad get the little boy's gun ready for him, and, and set it up on the tripod, and uh, shot, or first off, I saw the goat drop, and then about three seconds later, a shot rung off, and we knew the little boy just got done killing his first big game animal, and we were all jumping up and down, you know, a thousand yards away, because, we knew how much, you know, that really meant to him. And uh, I can remember coming up on the dad and the little boy with the, with the goat on the ground, and they were both had tears in their eyes, and they were jumping up and down and, you know, couldn't thank us enough. And it's, it's hunts like those that, uh, you know, make me do what I do. I know I'm really young, uh, almost 24 years old right now, but I, I think I'm, I've experienced it so much hunting in general that I get, you know, more joy watching youngsters and, you know, very, the you know, the younger generation harvesting their first duck or, or killing their first buck, you know, and, um, you know, that's something I'll never forget. And it was, you know, it, it just capped off the weekend and, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't, couldn't be more for, couldn't be more grateful for it. Well, I'll tell you what, um, you know, everything that you said is awesome. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's, you know, um, I think all of us have, have, well, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us may have had an experience like that or, or maybe on the other end of that experience where somebody helped us when we were young. But to me, that's all great. But the one thing that, that I take from that um, that's really great in my eyes is that you have a 12-year-old, number one, has now been successful on, on getting big game. And, and number two, you're, you're hopefully that young man is going to continue in, in the hunting industry and, and help with conservation. And, you know, every time he buys his license that, that helps, you know, keeping it going because unfortunately we're losing the younger generation um, in the hunting industry. You know, they're, they, they're just losing interest. It's getting expensive. I mean, there's a lot of things about it 
that that make it difficult and and some kids just losing interest but so i'm i'm super um proud the, that you did that um it, it it makes me um puts a huge smile on my face and and like you said you, you brought tears to to both uh the dad and and the son's eyes which you know that's that's a priceless um that's priceless as you know as far as i'm concerned but you know i i talked a little bit about in the in the introduction um, about that you just graduated and uh you know i i i want to tell you how proud i am of you and i know uh your mom and your dad are everybody's you know really happy and proud of you for for graduating but tell me a little bit about your your degree and and what you graduated in and and and, and what direction you're going with it yeah yeah no i appreciate it paul i thank you for the kind words it means a lot um it took a little bit longer than I than I thought, but at least I got it done. Um, you know, in class school, I it just wasn't for me. And then with guiding and full time in the fall, um, you know, I just couldn't. You simply couldn't go to class uh, if you wanted to guide seven days a week. So I figured a way around it and took online schooling. Um, ended up getting a degree in environmental science with uh, emphasis in fish and wildlife management. Um, and, you know, I'm really excited. Couldn't be, you know, I future, um, you know, my ultimate goal would be to eventually, you know, find, find a day job that, uh, you know, allows me to be, uh, involved in conservation or, or wildlife management, uh, whether that be with the state or, or the BLM or, you know, uh, the feds. Um, but, you know, I'm still, still kind of searching and, and plan to guide again this fall full time. So after this fall, I, I plan on on really searching for uh, you know a full day job, so to speak. Uh, I'm kind of living the dream right now, and I I may need to snap out of it, but uh, we'll see where it goes. You know, I'm just kind of going with the flow, and and I'm lucky right now to uh, allow you know the hunting industry to you know basically you know it's supporting me right now just based off of, of guiding and and uh such so yeah i'm extremely excited to see where the the degree takes me and um i i just want want to keep going in the conservation wildlife management path and 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 see where it takes me yeah i know i know um i know you were doing some work with the state uh i think as like an assistant biologist tell me what you're doing with them yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, just out of high school, um, went to Butte College, got an associate's degree in natural resources. Um, when I had close to 60 units, I got a job with the state as a scientific aide to uh, our local wildlife biologist named Henry Lamelli. Um, he proposed a project uh, along the Sacramento River that um, – had to do with eradicating an invasive plant species called red suspania uh, or rattlebox. It's a pretty distinctive plant, uh, looking plant along the Sacramento riverbanks. And, and I jumped on it because of how uh, experienced Henry was. And he just got a very well-known name in, in the area. And as a biologist, uh, he's an individual that you can't really uh, quite explain on a podcast. You just got to meet him and, 
and go on a river trip with him, so to speak, or, or a mushroom finding trip. He's just a man. He's a jack of all trades. Um, and I was blessed to work underneath him for three years straight, just out of high school. Um, and I got my boat operator's license for the state, uh, which allowed me to operate the state boat uh, on the wildlife management side of things. Um, that reg- that entitled uh, bank swallow surveys, which is a, a type of swallow that migrates from South America specifically to the banks of the Sacramento River. Uh, what's very interesting, and they migrate there just to nest. Um, so you'd count colonies and that was a cool experience as well as um, he also exposed me to, you know, darting, collaring deer, um, black-tailed deer in our D3 through five herd um, and also our B zones, which was, you know, life-changing for me as a young hunter coming up and uh, just being able to, to see how biologists do, do their thing professionally in the field and, and learn from him firsthand um, was, was, you know, life-changing. And I can't thank him enough posing me to, to certain projects like that. And um, I still, still work for him right now. Um, just not as much because of COVID and uh, just whenever they need, need a boat operator or if something comes up uh, that they need a hand, you know, I'm there. So it's cool. And I'm, I'm grateful for Henry and all that he's taught me and you know he's he's definitely been a a life-changing individual and very influential in in my career yeah now um i know you kind of switched gears i I think you were working on a grant and and i think the grant ran out but you switched gears and i and 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 i think you're doing i think you're a um uh, maybe I'm not pronouncing exactly what you are right, but I think you're a field technician and doing work with California Waterfowl Association now. Tell me a little bit yeah, about so that. Sure. Um, so official title is uh, waterfowl technician. Um, I ended up applying for the egg salvage technician uh, position that turned into uh, a, basically a waterfowl technician because I worked through the summer um, during summer banding. And then as well as preseason banding, uh, which we uh, tra- target pintail um, and, and try to get as many pintail bands out as possible before the season. Um, so I, I, I started that in April of 2019. Um, ended up getting a, a text from Rocky Merlot, you know, hey, we got a position opening with CWA. He's heavily involved. And, um, and, I applied, got the position, and and primarily, you know, right off the bat, we were focusing on the egg salvage project. Um, the egg salvage project, for those of you that, that aren't familiar with it, uh, we in California have uh, four, four ducks that summer or that nest here in California, and they, don't, they do not, you know, migrate north, and the species are mallard gadwall wood duck and uh, cinnamon teal and those four species usually target uh farm fields and these farm fields are crops like uh wheat alfalfa oats um hay same same type type of uh cover crop but 
these these crops they offer excellent cover and um this allows them to hide hide the nest from predators and there's usually uh irrigation ditches or a body of water close by so when their young uh ducklings do hatch they can uh, escape the dry field and get to water um but there's a farmer to to duck conflict here because usually a farmer will come in and disc, chop, or harvest uh, this field that a duck is nesting in prior to the ducklings actually hatching from the eggs. And in return, you know, they'll destroy a nest. Um, so what the egg salvage program is about is basically biologists and technicians communicating with, with farmers prior to harvest, chopping, or disking and where we go through the field and basically sweep it systematically with two side-by-sides and 150-foot rope um, that Folger coffee cans are attached to that make noise with little pebbles in them, little rocks. And we flush the hens and end up taking their eggs. And uh, after that, we take them to a hatchery facility uh, locally in Durham, which is a small world because I'm from Durham, and uh, it's at Rancho Esquan, which is, uh, in my opinion, one of the most pristine, you know, duck ranches in the United States. And um, I drove by it every day going to school, and I always would look over at it and go, man, I, you know, I wish I could hunt that one day. And full circle comes around, and as a junior hunter, I got to hunt it. And, you know, that's besides the point, but it, it, it was just a small world when, when I was taking eggs uh, from from wild ducks and farmers fields back to Rancho Esquan, and and you know completing the full cycle of of raising them to five weeks old, banding them, and then releasing them back out into the wild for other people to be able to harvest, and you know and and it just is a huge benefactor towards towards data and 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 wildlife populations in general. And so that's what I, I primarily focused on with CWA. And I worked for them from April of 2019 to September 2019, and then started guiding again uh, for, you know, getting rice blinds ready. So it worked out great. Uh, October 1st comes around, you know, we're getting blinds ready um, for myself and Merlot Waterfowl, just running around, getting everything uh, batten down for everybody and you know it worked out and then uh, this year I went back with them and unfortunately it was cut a little bit short due to COVID but you know it's all right because we're starting up I you know started up antelope guiding just afterwards and then and then now I'm I'm planning on doing a couple of personal trips to uh, Idaho with uh, my brother and and a buddy so you know I'm looking forward to it and I've I couldn't thank CWA enough for for the experience they they gave me. You know I can say, um, you know that the egg salvage program was just a portion of what I did. You know um, I could say I nightlighted on the uh, Lower Klamath Refuge, uh, banding ducks, which was an experience that I'll never forget on on airboats, um, banding you know uh, being involved in the Wood Duck Project at Sanborn Slough and, and Butte Creek Island Ranch. Um, it was just just a blessing and, and an awesome experience in in the conservation world. That's cool. So what? So you're going on a hunt uh, what, next week, right? What are you going for? Yeah, 
Yeah, so uh, going up to Idaho, just a general tag, just Travis and I and, and his uh, childhood best friend, Nick Eberhardt, we all have, have uh, mule deer tags, archery, and then Travis has a, has a bull tag. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's good. And you guys will probably get one. I mean, we've done a lot of hunting together in Idaho. I mean, just the family in general. I'm, I, I've, I've had some great memories out in Idaho. I want to back up a little bit. Yeah. And talk about um, uh, you and Travis and your dad um, doing your guiding for for yourself with Long Valley, and um, yeah, t- talk a little bit about um, how it's kind of evolved because I know I know that you know sn- let's just say snow goose and speck hunting has changed so much over the years. I mean they're just getting so 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 smart and you know, harder and harder to decoy. And, you know, in the old days you could throw rags out and they would come in and not even have to be that great of a caller, but boy, that sure changed. Talk a little bit about, you know, how you guys are doing it right now. Yeah, exactly. No, I couldn't agree more um, about the rag statement. I just, you know, hunting uh, speckle bellies and snow geese in the Sacramento Valley for, I'm, 24 now i probably can say i consistently hunted them for about uh 14 you know 14 years straight that i can remember um and i can tell you that at about 16 years old when when travis and i you know we thought we were we were something back then only killing you know 20 30 geese in the hunt but uh you know in reality there were other guys doing bigger things but that that drove us to start a guide business and um you know we said you know we can do it we can compete with them and the very first purchase we we did is uh 980 white rocks which is a rag and we set them out we put them all together in one night i i'll remember it like it was yesterday in my mom's living room we put it together 980 of them in one night just me and him and right when we got them all put together we went out to one of our leases and set them up and we said, you know, we're going to smash them. And we were quickly turned, you know, in the other, you know, complete 180, like, hey, this ain't even going to work out. But, you know, at the same time, there were still birds. We still had a couple of flocks doing it. And we're like, hey, you know, it's it's not bad, but it's not what we want. And it's not what we desire to, you know, uh, present to the public. So we started uh, trying, you know, just brainstorm, you know, you got to get better and better. You just got to think and think. And, um, eventually we had the funds to buy, you know, a big, uh, trailer, enclosed trailer with the help of Todd Thompson and, and enclosed family friends. And, and then Travis started working for Cal Fire and which was bittersweet because, you know, Travis is my, my right hand man. And that's who I learned how to goose call from, how to speckle belly call, how to speckle belly hunt from um, him, Rocky Merlo, uh, Alex Topons, those three guys right there. I, I've learned, you know, incredible amount of information from. But I can tell you, Travis has been has been there since day one, and it's bittersweet when he works for Cal Fire because I, you know, it's most of the time it's me holding down the fort back home with uh, with his trailer and his decoys that you know he eventually broke down and bought and and that's what we run today is is 240 uh dave smith speckle belly decoys and and we don't when i say 240 
you know, it's not like, oh, wow, we got, we got 240, you know, you're a big shot. But, uh, you know, there's many hunts that will throw, you know, 10, 12 decoys. Just, you know, you just got to read the birds and see what they're doing and, and react to it. And we've, we've found that they're just getting way, you know, they're just savvier birds. You got to be one step ahead of the game of what everybody else is thinking, you know, like what can you do next to, to kill, you know, 10 more birds in a hunt or, you know, where, uh, what could you do for a hide instead of panel blinds or, you know, you just got to be thinking one step ahead of everybody else. And, and, you know, that's our motto. And, and we try to try to provide quality hunts and, and I've, I've just noticed that they're just, you know, they're getting smarter and that's the bottom line. And, you know, everybody could tell you that, but, uh, how to react to, to them getting smarter is, is ultimately what separates guys from, from being successful and guys from, you know, not being successful. You know what, uh, you know, we, uh, I, it's kind of funny. It's going to make you laugh when I say what I'm going to say, but we got to give a shout out to Peter Ignatius too, because <laughs> that's, that's, that's my brother. And he, uh, uh, I mean, he's had a huge part in probably teaching all of us. The only thing is, is he always yep. yells at us when we hunt with him. But, um, I, I think that <laughs> he, he, he was a big part of both you and Travis, um, learning how to yep. call. Cause you know, he's a, he's a pro of pros for sure. Um, and he does it right. The only thing is, is we always get yelled at. And it's funny because yeah. whenever we go on a hunt and we hunt with them, if we're not hunting together, you'll call me or Travis will call me or I'll call you. And the first thing we say is, Hey, how, how, how do you hunt? How was the hunt with Pete? Oh, it was great. <laughs> and we say, did you get yelled at? Oh yeah. We got yelled at. <laughs> so I just wanted to make, yeah. make sure uh, to, to, to bring that up because one, it's funny, for but sure. it's true. It's totally true. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep, for sure. But, but we got to give it to him, Pete. Uh, he's one of the, you know, he's, he's probably the, the top, you know, top waterfowler I've ever, you know, hunted with. He's one of them. So that, you know, we're grateful for him to be in our family. <laughs> yeah, I know. Even though we get yelled at, but I'm with you. Yeah. Even though we get yelled at. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, we, you and I did a great hunt with them this year. It was, it was fantastic, I and mean, we had a good time. Oh yeah. But move, yeah. But moving forward, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, how how waterfowl's um, been changing, and and yeah. you know, you're you're talking about, you know, hey, we started with rags. When I first, the very first time I went out, I hunted with the guy that put out paper plates. And so that'll just mm-hmm. tell you kind of what it's evolved. And it worked, you know, I mean, it wasn't like we were yep. getting hundreds, but it worked. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I, I just wanted to get your take on, because I mean, you're in the field more than, I mean, almost mm-hmm. every day of the, se- every day of the season. And the thing that, that, that's interesting to me and, and, you know, I, I wanted to get your take on it is, the bird numbers are huge in the, in that Sac Valley Butte Sink area. I mean, they're, they're big numbers of, of geese. And, and I mean, what do you think, in your opinion, you know, has changed the birds to being so savvy like they are and, and making them so hard to hunt? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, the bottom line is, you know, goose populations, they are up. Uh, 
Um, but uh, local, you know, mallard populations are they're down. Um, we, you know, we still have an extreme, you know, amount of birds in the valley, and we're a mecca, so to speak. Um, but you know, you can account um, for for mallard populations to be down. I'm kind of going a little bit, little bit off, but um, you can say, you know, changing farming practices, uh, loss of habitat. Uh, warmer temps, uh, recent droughts, all these these factors, they play a role in, in migration. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's changing, it's evolving. And problem with, you know, um, there's not enough nesting habitat in California uh, to, to um, you know, there's not enough habitat for mallards to nest, basically. And that's that's due to the loss of habitat and uh, cleaning farming practices and, and drought. And ultimately if we want mallard populations and, and, and local duck populations in California specifically uh, to, to rise, we need to focus on, on, um, on breeding habitat, you know, um, and that's ground cover habitat. And our CWA is doing a great job. Um, they just entered in a, a new project that um, is in regards to a uh, winter wheat um, project, a delayed wheat harvest program, which um, allots farmers a certain amount of money per acreage to delay their harvest in wheat fields to allow uh, ducklings to, to hatch naturally. So that we do not, in the egg salvage program, have to take them, and there's certain programs like that um, that are that are very beneficial and and will change populations um, of of mallards locally. And you know that's uplifting to know that CWA is doing projects like that. But as far as um, uh, ma- numbers changing, I think you know the the goose numbers are there. They're there. They're just uh, they're smarter. You get. You, especially in the Pacific Flyway and, you know, experiencing in the past couple of years, I've hunted a couple of different Western states within uh, Pacific Flyway and, and hunting geese primarily. And you can tell the difference between, you know, hunting a speckle belly in, in Durham, California versus hunting a speckle belly in Washington or, um, or Montana, you know, there's just different type there. They've, once they get down to California, it's a it's a new, it's a new ball game, and there's a lot of hunters. There's a lot of pressure, and like I said previously, you just got to be ahead of the game, and and think think past what a normal guy would think of. You know, it's just got to think out of the box. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is it's funny because I mean, you could go out and just watch them fly in the sky, or or you just have the day where everything works right, the calling's right, and and, uh, you know, you get these high bird numbers. I mean, yeah. uh, I came out with you guys, uh, uh, me and my buddy, uh, Bill came out and we just, the first day was slow, but boy, the second day we sure put it on them. And it's days like that that keep you, keep you hunting, you know, for sure. Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, every, everybody, I, you know, all the guys I talk to, you know, are saying the same thing, but it's interesting when you when you're talking to you know different guides and guys that are hunting you know snow geese um 
it's it's an emotional roller coaster and we've all been on it together i mean you know we we drive ourselves crazy literally um chasing these birds but it's still fun and and um you know it's it's really cool when you, you know you For can sure. bring bring guys out and they you know you get a big grind that 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 you know spit tornadoes over you and you know not a lot of guys get to experience that and uh i know that that you know, you guys put it, put it together pretty good and have had some pretty good success. Now, let me ask you this. Um, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I want to bring it up because I think it's pretty cool, completely off the waterfowl. But a couple of years ago, you had a, a Nevada elk tag and I was there and I wanted you to talk a little bit about that hunt and, and how, you know, what that experience was, because it was sure fun for me but um, I know you didn't, you weren't really expecting to talk about it, but I'd like to, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that hunt because there's a message that, that um, I'll bring up at the end of it, but, but um, talk a little bit about that hunt and how that went down. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't expecting it, but you know, it definitely is a, it was a life changing hunt and uh, it provided me with, with more knowledge than, you know, I could have asked for just doing it on my own as a 24 now. I think I was 20 years old then. Um, but, yeah, I drew a really, you know, basically a chance of a lifetime elk tag in in, in Nevada. I, I might, if I'm lucky, draw one, one or two more times, but um, that's that's if I'm real lucky. And I, and I plan to try to do it to get redemption, but I already kind of busted the story up. But Anyways, yeah, I drew the elk tag, and, and I wanted everybody to be there that was close to me. And, you know, we do our, our annual out-of-state hunts every year with, with the family. And, and obviously, Paul and, and my dad and Travis was, was tied up with cow fire at the time, so that was bittersweet. But uh, he couldn't be there. And then a friend of mine, Todd Thompson, and another good friend, Dakota Burley, uh, we all piled in and went up. Actually, I, I ended up leaving uh, a couple of days before the hunt just to go scout by myself. And, um, you know, we our family, we're not very big, <clears throat> excuse me, but we're not very big uh, elk hunters here in California, just specifically, you know, because we don't have very many elk to chase um, in our area. But um, I knew the tag was great. And I did as much research as I could possible prior to hunting them during that time frame. It was early, or it was late August, pre-rut, and uh, I knew where the bulls were going to be. They're going to be at the top in the good green feed, and I found a couple of good bulls. And and one one evening, I can remember uh, a bull, one bull in particular. He came out and fed on the face about a thousand. I think I ranged him. He was about a thousand fifty yards away. And I put my spotter up that I was borrowing at the time because I didn't have the funds for my own spotter. And uh, I took a picture of this bull and sent it to Paul. And I said, I think I found the one we want, dude. And he texts back, well, holy crap, you know, that's Wally Jumbo Jet. We got to kill that one. And I, uh, and it, it was the running joke of the hunt. But it was the type of bull that... Uh, you know, when Paul said, holy crap, we got to kill that one, you knew, yep, we got to kill that one and only well, that one. 
Well, to right? ba- well, let we got we got to back up because you're a little ahead of the story. We went to scout, and I was I actually found that bull oh, yeah, first, yep. and yep. and. And I was with your your dad and I were together, and I saw That's that bull. Yeah, that bull came over, and he had a unique horn. And I, when I saw him in the spotting scope, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But nobody else saw it, and we didn't, never could find him the next day. And we we kept talking about it, and that's how he got the name Wally Jumbo Jet. Then you left early. Yeah. And, yep. and then, all right. So getting back to the story, you leave, you actually called yep. me and goes, I found Wally. And I said, does he have a weird yeah. horn? Right. Okay. Go ahead. Yep. Finish the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he had the weird horn and, and we had him pegged and, you know, he was in a good drainage and he was with two or three other bulls, which wasn't a good thing, but um, you know, he was, three quarters of the way up at Canyon. It was a good little hike and opening day was, you know, the next day and, and they showed up to camp to Dakota and Todd and, and dad and, and, uh, Paul, they all showed up. I could remember. And, um, we, we went up the mountain the morning of, and I, I did my thing and, you know, it was just, uh, it was a sequence of me getting close and no cigar type thing. You know, I was there, yards one one time and he winded me and kind of he boogered out at the last you know 15 seconds when I was going to try to try to draw back and get a shot or you know I I snuck up on him uh one I can remember one sneak I had on him I got within 35 behind a huge huge boulder size of a car and and uh deer does busted me and then they busted that ended up busting the elk herd and it was just a sequence of events that that kept piling up on me day after day. And it was, it was hard as a young, you know, young guy, I was going into the hunt thinking, Holy crap, you know, this is going to be a hunt of a lifetime, which it was. I was seeing, you know, a lot of bulls every day, 30 to 35 bulls a day um, with the help of a local. But, you know, it was just one thing seeing them and another thing actually harvesting them. And it was humbling, um, extremely humbling uh, just seeing, other guys like Cameron Haynes and Remy and and uh, just big name guys just making it look easy, and then you go out there and try to do it as a twenty year old boy and and think holy crap you know they got it going on and I just learned a, a whole whole bunch on that hunt. Um, I couldn't be for couldn't be more grateful for it just as as I am for everything else in life. But um, it was a learning experience and hopefully one day. Uh, Travis or, or or myself will draw that tag again, and and we'll go get redemption on them. Yeah, that's true. But I think it's important to to note that because I was beside you, there were many. I don't know if I'll say many, but there were you had several opportunities to harvest some quality bulls. I think would have been touching the three fifty range. Um, without a doubt. And, and you had, I, I remember one stock, I was right behind you, actually me and Dakota, and you were 20 yards from him and you passed. And I think that's the reason I wanted to, to bring the story up because we all, we all, you know, it was your hunt and it was whatever you wanted to do. We were just there to help you, but you had made the commitment that it was going to be Wally or nothing. 
And, you know, a lot of guys would have never walked away from, from the bulls that you walked away from. I, I can remember uh, the time that I'm talking about that I was beside Dakota and we were watching you through the glass. And I know you, you had a bull at 20 yards, a really nice quality bull and, and you let him go. Um, so there's something to be said about, you know, you made the commitment, you know, to, to have a chance at the buck of a lifetime. But the thing is, is that first of all, to be able to, be in the presence of, of, a, of a bull like that. I mean, people never even get a chance to see it. So sometimes, yeah. um, not, yeah. not harvesting it, you know, I mean, yeah, would I have liked to have you get it for sure? I would, but, but mm-hmm. the learning, the learning experience, it was, it, we had, we had a blast the, the trip was a blast. I think I, if, yeah. I don't know, I'm not sure if it was this trip, but I think it was, where you were talking about Todd, he got a tick in his belly button. And I think it was, I think it was, I think it was that trip. If, if it wasn't that trip, yeah, it doesn't it matter. Be, yeah. So his nickname now is tick boy to us, but the good news is, is he got the yeah. tick out, but yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I wanted to ahead. bring that up. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up just, just for the simple fact that, that, you know, um, it, it was a great hunt. And, and sometimes, you know, it isn't all about the harvest. It's about the hunt. And that was one of those particular times that it, that it was about the hunt, you know, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, we talk about that, you know, we're, we're a small family. Um, you know, all of us have, uh, our group, we've all been hunting together for such a long time. Like you said, I mean, you were in a bait, you know, a, a baby chair. Yeah. I was with Travis on his first buck out of state. Um, you know, I mean, when you were just a little guy, I remember a time your dad spent a fortune on a, a Filson. I think it was a Filson hat. I can't remember. It was, but I, and, and we were at, yeah, we were at Sac refuge and it was an unbelievable hunt and you ran out of shells and we had to give us a long walk cause you only have 25 shells. And we went back and then, I just remember we got back and your dad asked where your hat was. It was funny. I mean, it wasn't funny at the time, but you you started crying and you're like, I don't know where it is. I don't even think we ever found the hat, but I don't even think we ever found the hat. But at the end of the day, man, you know, for me, you know, I'm getting older. I'm in my fifties. You know, I'm not saying my, my hunting, hunting career is over by any means, but, you know, um, one of the things that, that I see happening and, and I'm grateful that it's happening, um, is kind of the changing of the guard, so to speak, you know, you and Travis, um, are, you know, it's like, I don't have to carry all the decoys anymore. You know, I mean, hell, when I came out with, with, uh, Bill on that hunt, you had a, a group of guys and, and, you know, I mean, it wasn't that we weren't helping, but it was sure nice Mm -hmm. to, to see, uh, you know, a, both of you guys, um, you know, kind of taking the torch and, and becoming, um, really, really outstanding hunters. Uh, I, I can't tell you how proud I am to see what you guys are doing. I mean, you're giving back with conservation with, with CWA and, and the biologist work that you're doing. Um, all of those things to me, um, you know, when you see it through my eyes, you know, it's, it's, um, 
it's humbling to me because I feel like I had a little part in it and, and, and seeing, seeing what you guys are doing uh, and what you're doing is, is awesome. I mean, you're turning into a, I personally think you're, you're, you know, one of the top uh, goose guides um, that's out there right now. Um, You know, your calling's fantastic and, and you do a really good job. I think, I think you're at the top of your game and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where it goes. I mean, it's only can go up, uh, but, exactly, but uh, yeah. you know, you know, that's, that's one of no, the big I, reasons. I can... Yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah, no, I appreciate the words. I just, um, you know, I, I definitely couldn't do it without the help of other people, you know, and I, I just can't think, you know, there's just very influential people in my life that, that got me to where I am today. You know, I couldn't do it without all my, my buddies, you know, in college, I could remember, you know, Hey boys, can you come help set up a goose spray? You know, every time I, I ask for something or, or need something done, you know, Bailey Fritter, he's my, my right hand man. Um, you know, I can't thank all these, these guys and, and adults, uh, who, you know, straight up mentored me and into what, who I am today. And, uh, there's just, there's certain names. I know I've mentioned them already in the podcast, but, I'd like to mention them now. And there's just names that, that pop up in the head and they, you know, I, I like the praise that you're giving me, but, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? I, I couldn't, I would not be here without, you know, the help of, of Henry Lamelli and, and Rock Merlot and, and um, Todd Thompson. And, and of, of course, you know, my, my dad and Travis come, you know, they're, they're top of the list and just certain, certain people, um, yourself, uh, you know, every hunt I go on with you, it's like, you know, I can remember every single thing, you know, to a T and I learn stuff from you every, you know, every time I go out and, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for, for the kind words, but, you know, I appreciate everybody else's help and, and everybody who's, who's given me information and, and has taught me, you know, tricks of the trade, so to speak, you know, I, I appreciate it. Hey, don't forget to uh, throw Chuck in there. We got to give Chuck a shout yeah. out. If anything, he's going to give Chuck. us laughs. <laughs> right. Yeah, old Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, well, that's Chuck, great. He'll give you a smile. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Riley, you know what? It's been great having you on the show. Um, I, I, I think that you know you dropped a lot of knowledge, um, and you know I'm, I'm happy that you came on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm new in the podcast game. Um, um, and I, I think this is a, a well read. I think people will like hearing what you have to say. So, you know, oh, thanks yeah. again for coming on and uh, good luck on your hunt next week. You know, I'm sure I'll get the play by play and I'm looking forward to it and hope you guys, uh, uh, you know, have a great hunt. So good luck. Thanks for being on the show. Yep. Thank you, Paul. Have a good one. All right.